This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to our BSBOT episodes, our Discord, which keeps getting bigger and bigger and is ridiculously active, including the game threads, which are, might be a little toxic, but I try and stay away from there, and much more. Plus, you get to support us all year round, which is pretty freaking cool. A lot to talk about today. Long show. Uh, trade deadline, filled up heedle, targets composition, Capo Caco, a bunch of stuff. Katie Bakes from The Ringer comes in the show. We talk a lot of nonsense with her. We come back. We do five-star questions. We talk the Rumble. Greg has an idea he likes to share. I keep thinking about that idea. Very fun times. Hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado, here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to With a I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. No news this week, Greg. Boring. No Rangers hockey. Anything going on? I thought of something. We're we're both big fans of Kevin Wilds, who occasionally appears half-baked on... Half-Baked Idea King, yeah. That's right. I, I have a half-baked idea on the Kevin Wilds level that I want to throw by you. But so it's, I it's call a perfect it, start for this episode, yes. I, I, it's great. I, and you know what? We can do an hour on this alone. I, we don't even need to talk hockey, and it would be perfect. <laughs> Nothing going on. Uh, I, I call it the placebo driver. I think there is a viewership issue with NASCAR. I, I just don't think people care. Why would they? It's boring. It's watching <laughs> people. And we all think we can do it, right? So I think every race, a random average american should be recruited to race in the races too and they should serve there should be a placebo driver team with a placebo driver car and every race it's a new average american uh yeah we did come up with this idea but it was 12 year olds in baseball like a couple (laughs) months back (laughs) i think you're telling me ryan if there was a placebo daytona 500 is coming up in february okay? okay And all of a sudden, this idea came out because Fox during the football was like, the Rock will be the Grand Marshal. And I was sitting there with a bunch of our friends and I said, wouldn't it be more interesting if the Rock was racing? And you're telling me you would avoid still the Daytona 500 if the Rock or just a normal American was behind the wheel of a car in that race. You are watching. Everyone in America is watching. They want to know. It's worth lawyering up. I will say this. It can only be like the Royal Rumble once a year. No, Whereas, I think it's it's every race. No, no, no. Because it loses its luster so quickly. But, no, but it's a different guy it's a race? different it's a different driver every race. No, dude. every it's it's like getting drafted into the army. You get drafted like it's jury duty, and you have to you get a phone call tomorrow, Ryan, and it's the, the NASCAR government, and they're like, Ryan Mead, you <laughs> need to be in Bristol, Tennessee in six weeks. For the Bristol Motor Speedway 500. See, I, I think it's an all-year-round thing, but there's a lottery, and they play the lottery all year round, and then no, you see, get drafted into Here's it. how it can't be a lottery, because someone's going to die quickly. Okay? okay? So this is something you're going to have to do against your will a little bit here. Oh, everybody's – everyone's on. Everyone's in. If you have a driver's license, you're eligible. I was, I, it's literally like I, – I thought this would be like you'd enter, and but if you have a driver's license, you could be selected. That's correct. And I, I would also go, 
I also was playing around with the idea of you have to enter the race driving your car. So, like, okay. if I get drafted in, my Honda Fit has to go up against everybody else. So there's, like, a little old lady lives down the street from me, right? She's, like, a, uh-huh. a baker. She sells stuff at the local Fant- market. Does she have a driver's license? She does. Good. She's eligible. <laughs> she's kidding. No, we can't do this every week. There's no, no way we can do it every week. Ryan, every, it, they don't have races every week. Whenever there's a race, there's a placebo driver. And the it's a different driver every week. is a huge deal. I can't miss that. Every week, I, I'm not tuning in. Once a year, you bet your ass I'm tuning in. I don't know. I think I think if every week there was a different driver, because then it becomes like a sixteen versus a one. All it takes is one placebo driver to win Where one of these the races. Placebo drivers start. No, they started. They have to qualify. They have to do everything. They have to do the training laps. That's right. They are in. <laughs> they have to. You are they guaranteed during a spot. the training laps. You're like, get back in, Granny. You're going. They have multiple. Two. They have multiple cars. Yeah, okay. you got to do the whole. You are guaranteed a spot in the starting forty three. But you're fucking running. So you better figure it out. It's okay. I, I'm i more in on this idea that I want to be. <laughs> right? I, I you're, wa- you're watching. You are watching. Pick a weekend in July, okay, if you want to do it once a year. Have this race during the All-Star break for baseball where there is no sports. You would get 150 million people watching. <laughs> I, I, I would bet you get 20, at least 20. But the placebo thing, especially if you play up the story of the grandma with the she's she's in the race. She's a great baker, but now she's driving NASCAR. You got to tune it. You got to do. Or it. just some some cocky ass seventeen year old who thinks he's hot shit. Okay, motherfucker, let's see what you can do against Denny Hamlin this week. <laughs> you just finished driving school. <laughs> you can't parallel park. Not a problem. Let's see if you can drift. Let's see if you can turn left. Oh man. I placebo driver. I think it's a, I think it's a billion dollar idea. Don't I don't hate it. I want to tell you it's dumb. I think it's I the the forcing people. I think the lottery thing has to come. Right. But, Millions of people watch America's Ninja Warrior. It's a great show. That's great. What if it was that but in a NASCAR against <laughs> professionals? Remember the show Pros versus Joes? I was just about to mention. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Never had them driving cars on Pros versus Joes, which is a no, huge missed opportunity. Huge hits from huge NFL dudes. And <laughs> yeah. guys were like, wow, actually, this is hard. But that's the other thing. NFL, like Joe Burrow is racing one week. He's the guy. He gets, it's his number that gets called. Joe Burrow's <laughs> got to go. To Kansas Motor Speedway. Honestly, then they have to show the C-SPAN legal battle of the NFL trying to defend him from t- being taken from placebo driver. And they're just like, no, the <laughs> law is placebo driver. He can't play against the Rams this Sunday. You create a scenario where you have the NFL saying there's a chance for a head injury in this race and he can't compete. Can I and tell then- you, this is probably the biggest week we've had all year for the Rams Rangers. <laughs> And we've done six minutes on placebo driver. I be- told you I could go an hour. I'm not done. I I'm not it- do- retired. Mark McGuire has to race in the placebo car. There's a car. I think people should tweet at us. Top 10 placebo drivers. <laughs> Simone Biles. I'm in. If she- very interesting. It's Taylor Swift gets drafted Ryan during one of her fucking errors tours. She's got to go. She's, she's got to go. Argentine. She's headlining in uh, in Buenos Aires. It's off. The show Japan, is off. Japan will have to understand. It is her turn to get behind the wheel of the FedEx number 11. <laughs> uh, the New York Rangers. So anyway, <laughs> the New York Rangers won 7-2 versus the Senators. Mm. Um, where do you want to start here? Because we could start with Heedle. We could start with the trade. 
Oh, and probably starting with Heedle is probably the best option there. Obviously, the Rangers uh, pooped the bed against the Sharks. We talked about it on BSBOT last week. If you want to listen to us for do that, you can do that. They then laid a huge stinker versus the Golden Knights 5-2, where most of the team didn't even show up, if I'm being honest. It was probably the worst loss of the year, or the most, I don't say the worst loss of the year, but the most, it looked like they didn't want to play. Then all of a sudden, they're down 2-0, most dangerously in hockey versus the Senators. Uh, Connor Mackey fights to Kachuk, and all of a sudden, the Rangers score seven unanswered, including four goals on four shots. Uh, Where do you want to start? <laughs> There's a lot here. They waited for the Royal Romo to officially start before they started scoring goals. It was, it was really rude. I had, it was, I was incredible. I was doing. Two, I was two screening it, and I had Rangers on one rumble on the other, and the women's rumble was pretty good. We could talk about the rumble at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have thoughts. Me too. But it was like they went down 2-0. I was like, look, I just don't know. I I can't with this team. Like I don't know what to do. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, like Chuck challenges Connor Mackey. It's like, what what's happening here? You know what's funny? I, did you think it was even that big of a hit? I don't think it was that big of a hit. No, it was it was kind of strange. Like I, I didn't think it was. I look, Connor Mackey's trying to make a name for himself. He's up from the AHL, right? He's trying to fight for a place in the lineup, show something good for the team and the squad that he wants to be here, and maybe they can call him up again. And he should be the person they call up, and not Robertson or somebody else. And now the fans are going to clamor for him because he fought Kachuk. I thought he did a bang-up job. I'm not sure he won the fight, but both guys got a lot of punches in. Uh, Kachuk hit the ground first. That's what mattered. And all of a sudden, the bench got hyped up, and the Raiders were electric. They're totally electric. Lafreniere scores. Uh, everybody scored. Zach Jones scored. Off, or Tampa Panarin scored. Johnny Brozinski scored. Chris Kreider scored. Kapokaka scored a goal at the end of the game. Blake Wheeler scored. Dude, everybody scored. Yeah, Mika Zibanejad didn't. I'm just saying. Okay. Two assists. Putting that out there. That's fine. Um, Didn't score a goal. He's paid to score goals, Ryan. It's true. He does hate scoring. Uh, Uh, But everyone woke up. Yeah. It was just like, did this say, you know, I made a joke like, guys, Connor Mackey saved the Rangers season. But it did seem like this was the first time things were clicking for them in weeks. Are we in on the joke where anything good that happens is now X saved the season? Because we did this for Will Cooley, too. I think people should be in on the joke. Okay. Yeah, we're I just, yeah. I just want to be sure that you and I at least understand we're joking. I, I know I'm joking. I'm aware <laughs> of this. <laughs> Anytime the Rangers win a game now, I will ask the question, did so-and-so save the Rangers season? That's uh, the, the kind of mode I'm in. I, I will say the Connor Mackey fight, like I, I think it did change that game. Uh, Ryan, we said we we. I promise you, cut and paste Will Cooley against the Ducks. We said this exact words, where it's Will Cooley finally looked like he gave a shit while no one else on the Rangers gave a shit and motivated the Rangers to come back and beat the Ducks five to two. Yeah, but Cooley didn't really fight a guy. I think fighting it really sends some. You know, it's like when Reeves he used to fight. Plastered deal. someone into the board, stole a puck, scored a goal. Yes, that's is that good. more impressive than fighting someone? <laughs> yeah, but people get more pumped up for the fight, like the did ben, driver. Did Ben Harper save the Rangers' season last year when he put Corey Perry through the ice? He did until they stopped playing. Yeah. Did Did Ryan Reeves save the Rangers' season last year when he had that extremely photogenic fight against the Minnesota Wild? The maybe a top ten hockey photo of all time, and uh, he was one of the bright spots. I don't know if he saved the season. So Barclay Goodrow didn't save the season when he got into a fight earlier. No, Barclay Goodrow did not. No. Okay. I just no want to be I, I need to double check. Yeah, no chance Barclay Goodrow did. Why is Barclay Goodrow fighting? He just started drinking liquids. He's psychotic, man. I, I, I gotta tell you. Stop drinking liquids. Barclay Goodrow is a level of crazy that you and I can't attain. 
This man has been eating solid foods for 13 days. Maximum. And his first, his, his first thought when he gets the fishbowl off is not, man, I can't wait to eat a Big Mac. It's, man, I can't wait to throw fucking punches. I gotta fight a guy. I haven't scored in 38 games. I gotta fight. It's crazy that people don't... It's crazy that his contract is the reason why people will never love him. Because that, if, he, if he was on Jimmy Vesey's contract, there would be a section of the Rangers fan base that would do nothing but stroke themselves to Barclay Goodrow. If he made 800K, uh, 850K, we would be like, he's the heart and soul of the team. Top tier Ranger. Yep. No question about it. Giving it his all on his body every single night. So important to the locker room. Too important to quantify to Don't the like that he room. doesn't score. Wish he had more offensive upside, but the things he does on the ice, he's just intangible. You can't you can't see it otherwise. Can't be measured by any good, good blue, red, bad. Can't be quantified. Extremely well-centered defenseman, defensive forward. Right. These are the words we would say about Barclay Goodrow. But he makes $3.6 million, so we hate him. So he's a bum, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they needed that senators win um it would have the only way the senators win would have been better is if igor started because i'm at the point again i don't if you want to say you're concerned about igor shesterkin i yelled at people who were concerned about him two months ago and i said talk to me in february well it's january 29th so if you want to ask me, do I feel 100% confident that Igor Shosturkin is going to turn his season around and be the Igor Shosturkin that we know he can be, I'm still confident he will, but it's not 100% anymore. I'm probably in the like 75% range with Igor. It's just, we give Benoit Allaire so much credit for everything he does with every goalie he ever touches. And we have proof that Igor Shosturkin is a top five goalie in the National Hockey League. I'm looking at those two things, and I'm looking at Igor having a save percentage under, what, 870 at this point over his last 20 starts or something. And it's NHL bad. Network said he was the lowest ranked goalie in save percentage in January. Yeah, terrible, awful, no good, very bad month. At the same time, all the extenuating circumstances around Igor Shosturkin lead me to believe he's not going to be the worst goalie in the NHL moving forward. So... If I can turn him around, I'm starting to feel a lot better about the Rangers' chances of cashing some of these opportunities in the wins. If you look at the Valaket, um clear side analytics cards after games, like I do, like a psychopath, a lot of these Ranger games that they're losing, uh, part of it is they, they have the higher expected goals. They're they not usually... finishing and they're not getting saves. Correct. Lafreniere uh, finally got his goal, but before that, he's just... My dude is as snake bitten as he's ever got. He's ever been in his whole life, and it's not just him; it's other players as well. But he's the most obvious because he's creating a lot of chances, but he's not finishing. And Igor is just not making the cat uh, an easy save once or twice a game, and it's killing the Rangers. Killing forget, right? You're, we're not even saying about the difficult saves that Igor Shosturkin will have to make throughout the season in order for the Rangers Correct. to steal games. We're talking about the layups. Yep, he's struggling on the layups. Uh, I, Valka, not to give Valka a second mention just in a row here, but he talked about the high glove situation where that, I think you and I have mentioned this in the past. I think we did an episode two weeks, two years ago, talking strictly about Igor's like right side, high glove where he can't defend in a certain way. And like he, he's struggling with it right now. Yet again, uh, Valka pointed out. And even on the, uh, intermission show where, uh, ESPN was talking about 
Like, look, you got to hand it to Vegas. That was a really good goal. Like, no, you don't. Like, that was a terrible goal for Igor to give up. It was not a sniper shot. It was a random-ass shot that Igor would save 99 times out of 100 every other year of his life. But right now, because he's struggling with his confidence or whatever is going on, he's letting a lot of these low-percentage goals in like once or twice a game. And then again, again, it happened with the Golden Knights where they let in like three goals in under two minutes. And it was just, it, it just comes in waves and avalanches where he's letting in these really, really easy goals and struggling as, I mean, just struggling all, in all of his game. And, and, and it's just not, he doesn't have the FU that he's been, he's had the past couple years. And it reverberates up and down the lineup. Uh, the Rangers, it, it, you feel defeated when Igor doesn't stop a shot you expect him to stop. And we can sit here and say great things about how, oh, we expect these athletes to be bigger than that. We expect these guys to live up to the moment. We expect them to be able to move on from that quickly and forget about it like it never happened. These are human beings with emotions, and it's got to be deflating and defeating when your all-world goalie is playing this poorly for this long and you feel like you have to score five goals a night in order to win with Igor Shosturkin in goal. That's a tough reality for the New York Rangers right now. But again, I I cannot sit here and say I'm concerned that he's not going to turn it around. If he doesn't turn it around, this will go down as one of the worst goaltending seasons of all time from a top-tier goaltender. And it, listen, the beauty of it is Jonathan Quick's playing well enough where you'd expect Laviolette to take a step back and say, I guess Quick is going to get some more run here. But I'm not, I'm not freaking out. I, don't, I think Igor is going to fix himself. I, it, it's just a matter of time. He needs to string together a couple wins, and it's going to happen. But I'm not, like, I'm not 2016 Matt Harvey concerned here, where he was so bad for so long, realized he was pitching with an injury, and then he wasn't Matt Harvey anymore. That, and, that's and not where I am. That's, yeah. I'm not there either. I'm not I'm so there. Far from I, I, he's having a bad stretch. No holds barred bad stretch. He was good in the beginning of the season. This has been horrible. I'm expecting him to be good again. And I think the Rangers have the support system in place where one, you can give him some more days off. And two, he's got Benoit Allaire. So I'm, I'm not overly worried about Igor Shosturkin. And if Igor Shosturkin is the reason why the Rangers are bleeding points right now, which is, to me, the chief culprit why the Rangers are bleeding points right now. It, to me, suggests the Rangers will not be bleeding points forever. Correct. And yet, they're still first in the Metro. <laughs> what a terrible division. Somehow. Oh, my God. I, you know, we did a whole podcast last year on how the West was just the worst and it, maybe the weakest we'd seen it in forever. This is the weakest we've seen the Metro. Ever. Ever. Period. How have the Hurricanes not overtaken the Rangers? It is... Uh, baffling. I think it's also goaltending for them. It's yeah. a big, big part of it. Goalie's kind of important, huh? I don't know if you saw this, but I was looking at worst goalies by expected save average. It's like Sorokin is like really down there. It's like, oh my God. Mm. Even the Islanders. Like everything's going wrong for goalies this year, especially in the Metro. Nothing. Um, nothing Met, yeah, the Metro's fucking hot garbage. Um, thank very, God. very bad. Thank God. Even, well, e- even with that said, I think the Rangers are still third in the East in points. To kind it's of put it, just stupid. It is really insane, especially because of how bad they've been. And they've, they've been, been awful. They've been awful for six weeks now. Awful. And to put a bow on the E-Word conversation, my man has three months to figure this out. Yep. Three months. And all you need to do is get to the dance. We say it every year. Get to the dance. Get Igor hot. And Igor was hot as hot could be last year in the first round playoff series. And the Rangers still lost. Mm-hmm. So... 
He, I think he was second in goals uh, uh, above average expected gold saved at the end of the playoffs. They lost in the first round. Yes. Yeah, and he was cold as cold could be against the Penguins, and the Rangers won that round anyway. Yep. So it's all crapshoot. Just get there. And the Rangers will get there, which brings us to how they're going to get there. Mm. Phil Peedle, uh was all fine and dandy. Does it make you feel like shit that you did this? No, because no, I didn't. I don't you know what it. you're talking about. <laughs> you said, how could it get worse for Ryan after Klopp <laughs> is going to go from Liverpool? And guess what it did? <laughs> guess what it did? Um, and then the know. Mets signed I... Adam out of Vino. So there you go. I know. Uh, I, that's like, on a, you being upset about the uh, Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool after winning a title with them is about as upset I am that Adam Adovino is back in my life. <laughs> those things those those things are honest to god even you don't like that they're even i'm not underselling how upset you were i know when you found out that clop was gone but i i'm right there with you and the thing that has me right there with you you know what's funny adam adam adovino's been on sny a lot this winter and he's smart and he's insightful and he sounds like a great studio analyst and i just want that motherfucker to be that don't throw another baseball in your life man you're good. Make that SNY money. Live your dream. Have a great time. And it's next year, the... buddy. Four point five million this year, and then they'll yeah. do that. He left two million on the table, which is great. He declined his six and a half million dollar option after the year, and then came oh. back to the Mets and was like, "JK, LOL." And the Mets were like, Haha, two million less." Good, good idea. Yeah. Um, anyway, Phil Heedle. Yes. So Phil Heedle was all set to come back. He returned to the team. A little celebratory moment. Uh, there was an optional skate practice on, I believe, Friday afternoon. And then all of a sudden, uh, Filipino was down on the ice for approximately six to seven minutes, was helped off the ice, went back to his apartment to recover. And we've been told uh, by Larry and by others, uh, Molly Vince, et cetera, that it was a setback on whatever upper body injury, quote unquote, concussion uh, that he was facing. He is now officially determined out from the out for the year as of Sunday, January 28th. Posted on Instagram saying he'll come back stronger. Uh, I don't think we can really make any determination about his future until maybe even middle of the summer or even next season. Uh, but for right now, he is out for the year. I would not expect him back for the playoffs in even a little bit. It's not a glimmer. Even if, even if he did say he was cleared to play for the playoffs, I don't think the Rangers risk it. Uh, it is a long-term, serious, life-threatening, not threatening, but quality-of-life injury in that sort of way. Uh, there is a big gaping hole at third center now for the Rangers to fill. They have about $5.3 million to fill it. They can wave Pitlick and Brzezinski. There's going to be a lot of trade talk and speculation from everybody on Earth over the next couple weeks here until the trade deadline pass. At least we don't have to talk about Patrick Kane. Moynihan came up. There's been a lot. Obviously, we, you, I think you and I have talked about the relationship between Gorton and Drury in the past. It's not the best. I don't think any Montreal trade will really happen. Well, uh, I've seen other yeah. people talk about this as well. But the other thing is, Sean Monahan is not the guy you think he is. So it, it's not even... The relationship might be what keeps the Rangers and Canadians from doing business. But also, I just don't have an appetite for Sean Monahan. I don't. I have a very little appetite as well. It's very cheap. If if he was the only player you were adding, I could maybe make the case. Maybe. I don't know. I Here's the thing. And I, I did this exercise on the insider. So the insider is going to hear shit twice today, but that's fine. They, they read it once. Now they're hearing me actually say it. I, have you done a deep dive into the center market for who's actually potentially available? 
read a couple articles earlier this morning. Uh, it seems pretty thin. It's bad. But, I, but I go so far to say it's bad. On the new on the no names, it's like Henrique. Yeah, that's like. And he's having a fine year. Lindholm, and, who's like having the worst season of his whole career. Yeah, and Monahan, who's an offensive first forward. Um, not necessarily someone you want on your third line, but whatever. If you go down the list, and those are the three that people know about, after that, it's a lot of Nick Dowd, man. Like, a lot. And I like Nick Dowd. Don't get me wrong. But there is a dearth of impact centers available, which, when you think about it, makes a whole lot of sense. If these teams that are bad had impact centers, they'd be good. They, they wouldn't be in a position to be making potential trades like this. But it does not take long for you to run down that list and see names like Zemgis Gergensen from the Buffalo Sabres. There's no way I could pronounce that. No, I, it's the one reason I would trade for him. But when I say he's an offensive black hole, Nick Benino blushes. Um, Which we didn't tough. even mention. Nick Benino was waived, yes. Correct. Nick Benino no longer New York Ranger. It had to be done, right? It, we, I feel bad. Uh, it's clearly LaViolette was a tough decision for him. It's just so painstakingly clear he was not supposed to be, one, a third center, or two, a guy playing every night. It's crazy and, that we're 24 minutes in. Like, I think Nick Menino being waived would be the leading story that you and I would talk about for the last 11 weeks of the season, and yet it's like story number six here. Well, that raises the question. Nick Benino, placebo driver? How in are you? <laughs> Jesus. Placebo driver is it's an incredible idea. Um, uh, continue. Yeah, it's it's tough, though, for Benino. Uh, the Rangers are doing nice by him by being like, continue to take your all-star break. Don't worry about Hartford for a while. Um, that's all great and good. I created a, so I have a theory. Yeah. The Rangers have money and now everyone's focused on the money is available to the Rangers. 5.2 means they can go out and get essentially whoever the hell they want at the trade deadline. That's, that's nice. That's great. Here's the thing about the New York Rangers. People don't realize you and I agree. We're not, they're not trading Gabe Perot. I'm not even, not even engaging in the argument of whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. We're not we, even having the – do you hold your prospects or not? They're the, not trading Gabe They're Perot, not trading period. Gabe Perot. Yes. The impression I get from talking to people is they're not thrilled with the idea about trading a first-round pick either. They would like to avoid it. I think the way they trade one, with air quotes – is a conditional second-round pick that becomes a first if the Rangers make the conference finals. Which they have done twice Every year. beforehand. Yeah, yes. they did it with Cop. They did it with Kane. They did it, it with Zook as well. Yeah, it's it's the Drury move, where if Drury doesn't want to trade a first, but if he has to, he will tag a conditional on it to make sure his team got to a point where he feels comfortable trading that first-round pick. So you go into this market thinking, all right, the Rangers aren't going to outright trade a first. They're most likely trading a second, maybe two seconds. Great. Trade as many seconds as you want. I don't care. And then what the Rangers truly lack, their number one biggest problem, and this is a problem for all teams that get into a habit of trading draft picks in order to chase playoff desires, which, again, I like. I'm not criticizing the move. This is just a reality of that situation. The Rangers don't have B-level prospects. They don't. I don't care. They have one B-level prospect. Brennan Othman. That is correct. That's it. And I know people are going to gasp and guffaw and, and take a step back at me. You are. Brennan Othman is not a B-level prospect. Baby, Brennan Othman is a B-plus prospect. If you made a top 100 list of prospects in the NHL, that's a guy sitting in that 85 to 110 range. That is the definition of a B-plus prospect. I like that the Rangers have him. 
I'm hopeful that they keep him, but he's a B-plus prospect. So people thinking the Rangers can make two moves. I don't know how you do it. Your first move is going to be your second-round pick, conditional first, plus whatever prospect, Brett Berard-level prospect, you can attach to that as a sweetener. And then if you want to make a second move, it's Hoffman. I don't think anyone feels too comfortable trading Brennan Othman right now. And again, if you trade Brennan Othman, your farm system becomes Gabe Perot and friends. Yep. And like Sakura is good, but he's like a C plus. Sakura is fine. He's what you would expect a second round pick to be in at this point in their development. Right. You're not, you're not enticing a team, a team on the uh, bad teams have plenty of Adam Sakura's already. Adam Sakura is more important to the Rangers than the Arizona Coyotes. Because the Rangers need Sakura to become a bottom six forward, whereas the Coyotes have seven of those guys already from having second-round picks on top of second-round picks for years. They don't need Adam. Adam Sakura is not doing enough in Hartford this year to be a separator in the eyes of the Arizona Coyotes. In fact, the Coyotes probably wouldn't even want a guy like that because it's another contract that they'd have to submit against their fifty the flexibility of the draft pick is probably more important to some of the teams that are worse. So you're simply, when the center market, again, this is the problem with the center market. It's why I came up with this idea. If you're using your one big swing, which to us, I still don't think it's a huge swing. I think think it's three incredibly minor moves. I, I think it's one medium move and maybe two lower moves. But to me, I'm talking myself into the idea, and you tell me if this is bad. Are the New York Rangers a better team next week if they use their conditional second-round pick and a C-level prospect to get a Jacob Silverberg or an Anthony Duclair or Vlad Tarasenko? You beef up your wing, okay? Because it, it, it will be cheaper to trade for a wing than a center. You can get a wing tomorrow, a good one. For less. There are just so many of them. It's a buyer's market on the wing, seller's market on the center. Are you a better team if you do that? And then my theory, Ryan, I don't know why teams don't. I know why teams don't do this because every player in the American Hockey League is unproven. And if you're unproven, you're no good to me. But you're telling me, shouldn't the Rangers just be going out there with their very limited assets and trading every sixth round pick they have to try to find the next Johnny Brodzinski as opposed to finding the next Andrew Kopp? Like, don't you just want security blankets for Brodzinski where if he gets cold or injured, you call up a guy in the mold of Johnny Brodzinski? Look at the AHL. There are the one of the names I found today was um, a kid in the Seattle organization, 27 years old, Cameron Hughes. Over a point per game pace, he's currently at. He had 56 points in the AHL last year, 27 on an expiring contract. Clearly has offense in his game can play center and wing. Is it not better for the Rangers to go out there, trade for him, someone just middling away in Seattle's system where Seattle is either playing young guys or going for it so he doesn't have a role? Does it make more sense to get him and a higher-end winger than it is for us to use every asset we possibly have to get Adam and Reed and just promote Offman? I, I think, to me, if I make him the lineup deeper, the way you make it deeper is just by making sure Johnny Brzezinski has coverage. Because the odds of you acquiring a center for the assets the Rangers have that is bar none better than Johnny Brzezinski, it's not high. It's not. I think Nick Dowd's going to get a first-round pick in a trade. 
He probably will. I think you're right. Yeah. So if are you a better team by just going out and getting more Johnny Brodzinski's and spending your assets on a winger who can play top six minutes, which all of a sudden makes your third line Cooley Brodzinski Taco? Like, is that I don't mind that line? Like, I, I I don't mind it at all. I the problem with this all is this. You're right. I think they're probably better off doing that. The issue is, I think Chris Drury thinks his time as GM isn't forever. And he knows a lot of his players are older. And their window, you know, we hate window talk, but they're they're, they're not going to be as good of performers in the coming years. Well, I, so he I, has to sort of somewhat push in. I think, the, I think the true bigger problem is it's clear that the easiest place to plug and play a person in the Rangers lineup is, is Brodzinski's spot. It's the easiest because if you if you do get a winger, you get into an awkward position where one of Wheeler and Kako is suddenly playing on the shutdown line. And that's a position. Can you imagine what the reaction would be? It doesn't matter that I think the line would be good, but if the shutdown line suddenly was VC Goodrow Kako, I think that line would be great, but the reaction from the fan base would be so diabolical. From both sides, by the way. This is where Kako should have always been. Or, hey, this is a freaking disaster and we're the worst developing team in the NHL. Yeah, it's so bad. Yet, I still think that line is secretly electric. Not in terms of, I don't know if they'll ever score a goal, but I know they're never giving one up. Like that, that's where I'd be at. I would love that line on the ice for the final two minutes of a playoff game. I'd feel wonderful about it. You're not wrong. You're you're, you're totally right there. But, but this is where the problem is. Like, do, do they do anything with Blake Wheeler? I don't know if they do. I don't know if you would even would you even want Blake Wheeler in the final dying minutes on a defensive line? It's not no. His game. But is Blake Wheeler going to be the extra skater in the playoffs for this team? It's also not going to be that. Like Blake Wheeler stays in the lineup. That's the, correct. The the if if the the people out there that think the Rangers need to make two moves, the guys coming out of the lineup are Johnny Brodzinski and Tyler Pitlick. You're trying to improve over those two pieces. And there are ways to do it for sure. But one of the ways you improve, improve you, I don't, I don't know about you, Ryan. I don't see any purpose in trading for a winger that is simply just going to play in my bottom six. I, I think that's a waste of an asset. Tyler Pitlick is more than capable and fine in that role. So I need to get someone better than Pitlick. But at that point, if I'm getting someone better than Pitlick, I'm pushing someone else on this roster down. And if unless Cabo Caco suddenly plays on the left, it's not going to be Will Cooley who moves down. Well, it's not like Lafreniere is going to go to the left now after he's played on the right this whole season. But you also wouldn't want to take Lafreniere away from a line that's clearly making him successful. Correct. So if you're going out there to get a winger who's going to play more important minutes than Tyler Pitlick, that means someone else on this roster is playing not just Pitlick minutes, but Pitlick's role. And I got to tell you, the more you look at it, the more you realize that's Cabo Caco. And I, again, I'm fine with it, but I just want people to understand if you are asking for the Rangers to make two moves and one of them is going out there to get a top-line capable winger, it is Capococco who will be sacrificed. This is why I think, and I kind of came to the realization that maybe Caco is a trade piece like over I the weekend. D- no, I don't see it because you He's are one cheap. in... Not no, you're one injury away from actually needing Capococco. You want to... Capococco might be over qualified to be on that shutdown line but you then become if an injury does occur to the new york rangers on the wings you need Kako in your lineup to move up 
winning teams don't use a Capococco to go out there and get a piece that is just a mild upgrade over Capococco. Right. Winning teams keep Capococco and simply just play him in a lesser role, knowing that they can increase his minutes if they truly need to. So Vince went on Merrick's show today, and he talked about how he, he expects the Rangers to be very aggressive. I just don't know. I, you're right. Like, aggressive with what? Yeah, that, that that's sort of, sort of the problem is when you look at the landscape of what's available. You, there's many many great wingers, but let's say they get Duclair. Uh, Duclair is a, or let, let's go with him further. I love Vlad Tarasenko. You love Vlad Tarasenko. Sure I'd welcome do. him back with open arms. Absolutely, he's playing on the first line. Absolutely is, and like Wheeler is Wheeler's not, not going down to that shutdown line. Wheeler is not playing on the fourth. Period. I will that's, say this: we got to get in. The, I think we're in a bad habit of calling the Cooley Brodzinski. Um, Kako or Wheeler line, the third line. That's the fourth line. When you look at the average time on ice, VC's getting more minutes than those guys. And I know that's that's all roles. The shutdown line to me is LaViolette's third line. It's definitely his third favorite line. It's definitely the line he (laughs) likes number three on this team. And if you look at, I, I get that they get some penalty kill minutes that the other guys don't get, but if push comes to shove in a one goal playoff game, that line's going to be out there. That line to me is more important than the makeup of the third line, which makes the third line kind of the fourth line. Interesting. Yeah. We've, we've gone a little long here. Well, we're um, going to keep going. It's an important show and placebo driver is still a thing that we're working our way through. <laughs> yeah. True. I just, to me, I just want to double back the, the AHL center. I just, you look at the centers available. If you're not getting Adam Henrique, you're getting a bad, if you're not getting Adam Henrique or Nick Dowd, and again, Nick Dowd's a 33, 34-year-old bottom six journeyman who is finding he found a lot of good heat with LaViolette last year in Washington and is parlaying that into yet another strong season. But he is what he is. Can if I ask he, like a, a blasphemous question? All right. It's actually blasphemous. Uh, here we go. It is. Uh, do you think there's any chance the Rangers, knowing that Ryan Lindgren's going to free agency, shop him? What, what are you getting in return? Let's say they do like a Lindholm plus. No. I, I just, no, I, that's not a move. That's a move a team who might be a year early on their window makes. I don't, you're not making your team better by trading Ryan Lindgren for Elias Lindholm. You're mostly correct. I'm just, it's something, it's a, I want to explore all the lines here. Yeah. That's well, this, I mean, how many, how many, what if we trade Miller for something? Things have you seen recently? Well, Miller's the, Miller's not a free agent. It's different, right? I mean, Lindgren is under team control this summer. The question is, do the Rangers extend him or go the one year route? And I think you and I are in the camp of, I'd rather just do one more year. Congratulations on that one year, Ryan Lindgren. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's, what's going to happen here. No, yeah. and now Lindgren's hurt too. So, what even are you getting for Ryan Lindgren? Oh yeah, we wow! It is thirty-seven <laughs> minutes into the show, and we have not even talked about Jacob Truba's being fucking suspended. Also, haven't touched on that. Well, because here's why we haven't touched on that. I'm yet to see the fucking hit. I saw the replay and the ex- the explanation is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever it's, heard of. In it's my a life. makeup call, Greg. It's a makeup call. He look, he is a little wily with that elbow. I cannot. I think he should have got a game. But he, Ryan, let's be clear what they're making up for. It's a makeup call because Brendan Gallagher attempted murder the night before, and the NHL ate shit for it. Yes, he should have been ten games. Multiple people were calling them out, and they gave him five. But yeah. he actually attempted murder. He attempted murder. Like, and they the the, the explanation for Jacob Chuba was it is not incidental contact. 
It's the literal definition of incidental contact where he's not looking at the guy, is making a move for the puck, and his elbow inadvertently flips the head of the Vegas Golden Knights forward, Dorofeyev. That is that is incidental contact. Like, change the word usage there. If you want to call it he was being irresponsible with his elbow, I guess. I wouldn't be able to argue that one. It, that would be the league's opinion that I would disagree with. But in that regard, at least I would sit here and say it's a weak argument, but it is an argument. Calling it incidental contact is you not understanding the English fucking language. And I th- to me, it's a makeup call from not only the Gallagher thing, but when Jacob Truba, again, inadvertently hit somebody in the head with a stick earlier this well, season. That's on the NHL, man. I like, I, I just want consistency. That's all I want. Yeah. I, 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 the Gallagher one is offensive, how it wasn't a longer suspension. And then the league shit for a day. The refs didn't call a penalty on Truba. Um, the nobody, broadcast, nobody in the building even reacted. I only knew that Dorofeyev didn't return to the game, not because of the broadcast. And I like ESPN. It was clear ESPN was bored with that game. They were talking about, they should have been talking about placebo driver. I should have given Emily that idea early. She could have worked it in. Um, but <laughs> Emily Kaplan here, coach, uh, Greg Kaplan of Blue Street Breakaway <laughs> wants to know your thoughts on placebo driver. Excuse me. <laughs> Pe- coach, she's talking to Peter Laviette coach. Uh, listen, not a great start for your guys, but if you had to choose one of your guys to drive a NASCAR, who would it be? It's against their will, by the way, your thoughts. <laughs> they have to drive it. <laughs> yes. they, they, they can't tank it. They have to compete. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Um, Placebo driver. You know, there's a lot of old drivers. This is a good idea. Now I'm I'm getting more into it. Okay, tell me. You know that you know there's a lot of older drivers that probably still shouldn't drive. Yeah, but still have licenses. Yeah, maybe this is the reason they turn them in. Yeah, because I'm not part of placebo driver anymore. <laughs> but now here's the thing: Are those old drivers? Are they aware enough? Oh well, no. We'll have to get Fox News to cover this a little bit. We got it. Fox is uh, Fox runs the Daytona 500. We're good. Yeah, and there are a lot of Confederate flags at NASCAR events. I'm sure they'll be in tune. No comment at this time. <laughs> no comment at this time. No, it's I the Truba suspension. You know, honestly, the man probably needed two games off. I'm not. I'm not that upset about it. In terms of, I wish the league would find a reason to force the Rangers into giving some struggling guys. You know, what did Mika Zibanejad do against the Senators? Anything we can suspend him for, just to give him a break? <laughs> two assists. Yeah. Yeah, just give him a break. Just be like uh, Zibanejad. Uh, it, it appears when you got thrown out of the faceoff circle. It does look like you shimmied your hips and farted on one of the reps. It's going to be three games. And We're sorry. You have the Paros review. If you look at Mika's hips here, he clearly blows air out his asshole. <laughs> the infrared <laughs> would indicate that there was an odor that apparent that came with it. Three games, Mika's a better Three job. Games, a better Great. Job. And he comes back. It's Mika March. It's wonderful. I'm oh, here for it. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. I, Mika's a better jet. Daytona 500 is coming up. Placebo driver is a better jet. He's got to take three games off. All right. Um, what NBA player would be funniest in Placebo Driver, and why is it Giannis? Because Giannis would actually crush it, dude. That's the difference. He'd be pumped. He'd be training for weeks. The Milwaukee media would be pissed. How, would he, how would he fit in the car? His head would stick out the top. <laughs> He'd have glasses on, like goggles, like a, like a pilot from the 1940s. Oh, oh boy! Uh, you want to get our interview? <laughs> yeah, I guess we should. This is a long, This is gonna be a long one today. Yeah, yeah. So we got Katie Bakes of the Ringer coming on. Talk a little Rangers. Talk a lot of WFAN and Sam Bankman-Fried. So if you thought this wasn't enough crazy, 
Well, welcome. I am uh, definitely asking her about placebo driver. I don't know how you, Katie, you're esteemed journalist. Uh, how do we tell you this? All right. Uh, we'll be right back uh, after we're from these sponsors. Transition. Hey, yo, I'm here to tell you about TickPick. That's right. The number one ticketing app and the official sponsor of this podcast all season long. If you want to get tickets to Ranger games or any other event, download the TickPick app, and it's got so many great features that help you actually buy tickets. I'll tell you a personal story. I'm going to WrestleMania, uh, night one of two, and my friend and I have always wanted to go. So I was tracking prices. Like You can actually track the prices through TickPick. We saw a pair of tickets that were way cheaper on the floor than every other pair of ticket. I couldn't believe it. We used promo code BLUESHIRTS15. That's right. On checkout, you can use promo code BLUESHIRTS15 to get $15 off any purchase over $99 one time on any account. So I used that code, my own code, and I bought tickets to WrestleMania night one. And guess what? Those same seats are $250 more this week. It was two weeks ago I bought those. They're $250 more this week. There's nothing cheaper. And I got it all because I was tracking the prices on TickPick, which, by the way, when you check out, no fees. The price is the price you see is the price you get. When I was on those other websites, I didn't know what the price was going to be until I checked out. TickPick, no fees. Use bl- promo code BLUESHIRTS15 to get $15 off at checkout. And uh, go to a Ranger game, go to WrestleMania, go whatever you want. But use TickPick back to the show. Hey, we're back with our only guest of the day. We have returning guest, Katie Baker of The Ringer. Katie, thank you so much for joining us again. Hello. Thanks for having me, as always. Welcome to the Ranger roller coaster um, of fandom, <laughs> which where things are really great, and then things are not so great, and then maybe you win a game, and things are good again. Until they're not. Um, <laughs> I, I guess we'll kind of start with uh, the Jonathan Quick experience for you, where uh, we've talked about this a lot this season. Look, we're a big don't give Jonathan quick credit podcast, but a lot of the times he's been excellent. Has it been really strange for you rooting for a guy that's pretty much responsible for one of the most miserable moments of your life? Yes. I mean, well, yes and no in that um, I got a unknowingly, I got a glimpse of what it would be like last year when I, I did a Jack Eichel story. Um, and so I was in Las Vegas and um, Alec Martinez is on that team. Oh. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's like I I don't even want to give context, but but I will. Um, if you can think of the most infamous Rangers photo imaginable of Henrik Lundqvist sprawled out as the Stanley Cup is snatched in double overtime, um, that was him. And so I was I still remember I was trying to interview him, and I think I just had a scowl on my face the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so now to have Quick on the team, um, you know, it's it's. It's partly, I will say, been um, a little bit of a trip down memory lane because when I first started covering hockey back in the Grantland days, it was um, it was during the Kings' heyday and Quicks' heyday, and um, unfortunately, the Rangers uh, came into that. But I, I went to a lot of those Kings games and playoff games, so um, you know it's nice to see Quick in that form again. But um, yeah, it's like. I feel like we've got Eric Lindros on the team all over again or something like that. <laughs> I, I didn't have negative opinions of Lindros when I, I don't know. I guess I was a weird Ranger fan back then, but I don't ever remember feeling upset. Not that quick makes me upset. It just feels wrong rooting yes. for quick. I think that's the best way to describe it. I never, it never felt wrong rooting for Lindros. It just felt 
I don't know. The Mets were also like, that was the Roberto Alomar years. I was very (laughs) young and very dumb back then. So I think I was just a very confused sports fan. I went through like a weird whole Lindros like uh, arc because I used to hang out for some reason on the Philly Flyers Usenet group a lot because it was just like funnier than the Rangers one. (laughs) Um, So I, so I had a lot of exposure to, to Flyers fans. Um, And also by that point, I mean, by that point, Lindros was like, you know, on the, had gone through plenty of tough times. Like he wasn't the Legion of Doom guy anymore. Although he did have that good first season. Um, but yeah. And and then, you know, later, later on, years later, I became like the biggest proponent ever of, of him in the Hall of Fame. Because I just, you know, I think of the Hall of Fame as like, if I were to bring my kids, show them what hockey was like at a certain time and place, like I would want him to be there. Like he was 90s hockey, <laughs> whether you're, he was on the team or not. So anyway, a little digression, but um. But yeah, that you know, I am glad to have Quick, given the way Igor has you know struggled this season, and I would hope on the margin it would only be helpful for him to have that you know, uh, I'm like have that backstop to to his backstop. But um, who knows? Maybe it maybe it makes things more complicated for him. But I don't I don't think that that's the case. Katie, one one topic I was excited to explore with you, uh, Ryan and I. We're not the authors of this theory, but we are definitely subscribing to this theory where ever since 1994, the Knicks and the Rangers can't be good at the same time. Perfect example just happened where it seems like the Rangers are turning a corner. They win seven to two. They come from behind, score seven go ahead, seven straight unanswered goals against the Senators on the same day that Julius Randle goes down with a dislocated shoulder and will miss multiple weeks for the Knicks. What are you familiar with this phenomenon? Are we just crazy sports fans or is there something here? So I'm familiar. Uh, I, I was laughing to myself thinking back and I, and I went and looked it up in 2000 in, in November of 2016, uh, me and Jason Concepcion, my, my former colleague and beloved, um, you know, writer and, and mind um, wrote, wrote a joint piece for the ringer and I, I was laughing looking up the subject line, or like the title, the headline. Um, let's see. It says, hold on, I close the tab. Um, it's, why can't New Yorkers have two nice things? Two <laughs> New York sports fans wrestle with the divergent fortunes of James Dolan's New York sports teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously a ceiling on his uh, good karma level as, as owner. Um, and you know, if it's it's like a zero sum game between the two teams. They can either both be excessively mediocre at the same time, or one can thrive. Um, I don't know how the sphere it pl- now plays into all of this, considering he owns the Vegas sphere too. Um, a lot. A yeah, lot. I mean, I'm hoping like the weird dark sphere, spheric energy will, um, pro- you know, provide some kind of unusual results, aka actual playoff success. <laughs> I just 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 to hammer this point home because I think people think I'm crazy. Since the OG Anunoby trade, I believe the Knicks are now either eleven and two or twelve and two, and the Rangers are five and nine. So like it's it, this is a clear line in the sand where things were good, the Knicks did something good, and now things are bad. And before the Knicks made that trade, they were scuttling through a pretty 
underwhelming regular season, whereas the Rangers got off to the hottest start in franchise history. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm totally a truther for this theory. Um, you know, I feel like I remember at the time when we wrote this article, which, which was kind of a fun blast from the past, is that I think Phil Jackson <laughs> might have still been with the Knicks. And um, then you had, you know, Glenn Sather and, you know, who... You know, according to Dolan's lifetime, uh, whatever he bestowed upon him, he'll be he'll be in his ear for life. It, it started to become a little Knicks like in that sense, because um, I think you know you always have like the ghost of Isaiah with the Knicks. But um, yeah, I, I I do think that I don't know maybe it's a Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, maybe they need to re- rebuild it just to reset that uh, cosmic. <laughs> Zero the law of the garden. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, can you give me like just your general thoughts on the Ranger season so far? Obviously, look, things were great, and then things weren't so great. But I, I've been pretty high up myself on Laviolette as a coach. I think the roster is really good, and uh, I've just been wavering recently. It's been it's been a tough. I've been I was so high four weeks ago. I could have told you I was like this team needs to win a cup. It'll be a damn shame. And now I'm like I don't know if they can win a playoff game. So well, I know you're high for it's funny like. You're, uh, Back at the um, your first show of 2024, it was like it was like night and day. You know that this team's cruising. It's hard to find things to complain about. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. Um, <laughs> it's, it's and now true. it's now you're looking back on. Oh, remember when we used to do podcasts where we couldn't think of anything to say? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the most recent news, like so, you know, so sad for for Heedle and um, you know, but glad to have some level of clarity going forward, especially going into the trade deadline. Um, I think I'm pretty aligned with some, with, I think it was Greg that was, you know, saying that this is like a player execution issue more than it is some kind of giant structural, you know, foundational flaw. And so it does seem to happen to be that a lot of these players are kind of floundering at the same time. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'd rather have this happen now than in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so maybe it'll reset the the usual you know problems that the Rangers sometimes have at that time of year. Yeah, Katie, I feel like you're like me, where you've lived through enough Junes with the Mets, where this is kind of a walking. Walk yes, park. that's a great comparison. Oh my gosh, yeah, total just. Um, yeah, I I, I, do, I don't mind a midseason slump at this point, especially when you're on a West Coast swing, you know, for some of it and. I don't know. Uh, that said, if it doesn't, if they don't come out of the all-star break kind of looking like a refreshed uh, franchise, then you start to, you know, wonder and worry a little bit more. I got to ask, Katie, this, this is something, again, another topic Ryan and I have thrown around a lot over the last, not just, well, I would say it, it, it feels more heightened now than it did in the past. The way social media plays in the sports fandom, it feels like, the things that were fun about callers calling in to Mike and the Mad Dog or WFAN was that you would hear the ridiculous ones and you would say, that's ridiculous. Thank mm-hmm. God I don't have a lot of those people in my life. And it's almost like social media has taken the worst of our WFAN callers and amplified them to a level where now I feel like this is my entire fan base. Am I just nuts? Do I hear too much or is there something to this well i i mean 
objectively, you probably hear too much just because of the nature of being podcasters, you know, so close to the, you know, following the team so closely, you're going to get all the, uh, what's the guy's name? All the, all the Turks of the world, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on. I love that guy. That guy is like, he, he's so fun. He, you know, he, he is the, he is the WFA and caller. Like he is the, he, you know, he brings that energy where you're just like smiling and shaking your head. But um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was listening to Jeff Merrick today and he was saying like, it's funny. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, identified Rangers fans as being uniquely like this, but he was saying from his perspective, Rangers fans stand out to him because, you know, if he criticizes them, they get really angry. He gets flamed by them. And if he praises them, they get really angry and he gets flamed by them. And this team stinks. Say, you don't know what he's saying. Clearly you're not watching the games. Um, and so he's come to love that, but you know, so I, you know, from, from a third party, uh, I can say that the Rangers fans stick out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think social media definitely, you know, exacerbates that. And I also think, I don't know, I think certain uh, parts of social media kind of disappearing also exacerbates it. Because like, I think of, I used to love reading the comments on like SB Nation blog posts, because um, I just felt like you had this really great group of fans that was still like that, but like also kind of actually engaging and making arguments instead of just making weird veiled Twitter subtweet type stuff, you know? Um, and, and, you know, the, the, some of those spaces have kind of gone away or have lessened um, more so than even, you know, five years ago. So um, yeah. So you, instead you get a lot of just weird Twitter infighting. It's hard to find actual, I know this sounds, uh, this is going to be almost sound like a plug, but it's not. Um, <laughs> it's hard to find good places to actually have real like actual sports conversation that doesn't end up with you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't I'm, ever I'm like is probably kind of like a, a good place for that. Cause you have this community um, and I'm sure it devolves <laughs> just like any other place does, but yeah, no, I do think that the, the landscape has changed a little bit. Can we actually stick on WFN for a minute? Uh, Things are not going so well for my former beloved station. Uh, they've uh, Craig Carton had left and got his own show. Uh, as you as you likely know, their afternoon rotation was in kind of flux for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just been nonstop. And recently, I think their parent company filed for bankruptcy. Uh, is there any chance Mike would ever come back? What is the paycheck? <laughs> what does he need? <laughs> I, well, it's funny, like seeing... Uh seeing the mad dog on TV now as like a regular is like, it's just a funny divergence of, you know, what they're up to these days. I mean, I don't know. Part of, he still does these kind of reaction shows every now and then um, I think for a betting company. Um, it's not the same when you don't have the interaction with callers. Like that was such a huge part of it. Um, I don't know. What, 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 for a while I thought he just wanted to, you know, hang out with his kids more and, but I was thinking about it the other day and I don't even want to look it up a, because it's creepy and B because I don't want to know, but I was like, his kids might be like in college, you know, in college now. I mean, we remember when they're little. And so maybe he, maybe he'll have more free time and, uh, and want to get back into the game. I just need him to like have a caller be like, Mike, this first base may go. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> just for like five I don't really need him to say much else. I just need that Did clip. You 
I was thinking about him the other day. I don't know if you saw the clip of Stephen A. Smith like raiding Pokemon. Yes, I did. It's very similar. <laughs> and it was so similar. And, and even to the point where at the end, he was like, this guy has the same hairline as me or something. And I was remembering when Mike was like going through his Super Bowl swag bag and putting on, they had some kind of headband or like a, it was like an ear warmer. And he was like, if you have hair like mine, you don't cover it up with this. So um, that... <laughs> That Stephen A. clip, like, really, um, I was. It brought the spirit of Mike back into my life for a brief minute. Stephen A. is on an adventure right now. He's uh, he expanding is. into ways I didn't expect ever. So there you go. <laughs> uh, let's get him. Let's get him. Like to that's WFAN to just go all in on Stephen A. Just like I'm breaking news here. We did once have conversations about having him on this podcast with his representation. So um, it, it got close, but didn't get there. So there you go. All right. So this is so the the question is like, do we root for the Knicks to do well? Which maybe, or actually, you know what? I think if the Knicks did poorly, you'd have a better chance of getting him on to rant about it. So that's good for the Rangers because that means they'd be doing well. I so. just want to do Law of the Garden with Stephen A. Smith five minutes and then he can hang up. I don't care. Steve, Stephen A. is a little toxic right now in Knicks circles too because I don't know if you – have you noticed any anybody who speaks ill of the Knicks right now is getting flamed? Candace Parker had to do a like a press tour about how she's actually great because she dared say that J- Jalen Brunson oh, yeah, was not good in the playoffs last year. And then Stephen A comes out and says he didn't vote for Brunson for the playoffs. Uh, not the playoffs, the All-Star game. And Nick fans were like, fake Nick fan, get out of my life. I hate you. And I'm just like, what, what is happening right now New York, in this baby. <laughs> so it's funny because I – okay, this I feel like this is a generational thing. Knicks fans my age, I don't know, we're pretty just like – pessimistic I don't know we're just kind of like resigned you know and and then I feel like the younger generation that's grown up with the Knicks always being bad they're looking so hard for something anything to grasp onto and I I'm always surprised by how like weirdly almost toxically positive Knicks fans can be um and maybe it's not a generational thing but um it's always funny to me because I always think of the Knicks as sort of you know you can always make fun of the Knicks um and so and there's a whole contingent of very vocal fans that are like ride or die every player we sign is is going to be the best like um and it, it's kind of funny compared to Rangers fans um who you know there's obviously some positive ones but it's not it's not there's quite very that same I yeah. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> I promise I'm on the top of the scale and I'm miserable uh, I've been getting yelled at this year for being overly positive about it's true. And I'm just like, I don't want to be the voice of reason. That's not my gimmick. That's not where I succeed. <laughs> for like I two mean, years, Greg has been the voice of reason. That's where we're at. I can't believe that's where we're at. Um, I, I do feel like people overreact like on both sides. Um, you know, just a few good. It, well, it's all, also when the Rangers are doing well, they, to me, they almost like breed the overreaction because the way they do well is always so exciting and fun and like kind of high octane and, you know, Mika and Chris Kreider hugging. And it's like just such like good vibes. And then when they're doing poorly, it's just, um, it's the opposite. It's like, Oh my gosh, what happened to these people that I thought I knew and loved? Like, where did they go? Um, So I think maybe their style of play like exacerbates that. The last four years, the Rangers have done nothing normal. Nothing. Not one thing. Winning, losing, controversies, anything. They've done nothing normal. Which is good for us. Fun times. Uh, uh, Which kind of brings us to the... How do we make hockey sort of a bigger deal like 
not only at the ringer, but in general, like, what are we missing? ESPN is, ESPN is, uh, invested. Other TNT is invested. Is it actually getting bigger or are we just like staying in our own niche hockey sphere? And that's where we should be though. At the same time, I'm solely focused on how to make it bigger at the ringer because (laughs) every, every, every time Bill, Bill said it, uh, he had his dad on the podcast. I think it was last week. And he's like, you're the only guy I know that cares about regular season hockey. I'm like, Bill, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just call in, man. Let's have a talk. I feel like if Bill was located in Massachusetts, he would change his mind about that. But Yeah, the Bruins are yeah, amazing. So, I mean, I guess that kind of gets to the point where it's like ringer specific. I feel like it's kind of the same issue that we sometimes run into with baseball, which is like at the end of the day, there's so there's a kind of a limited universe of truly crossover personalities. Um, and oftentimes the best players are not the ones, you know, the, the very top players aren't always the ones in that crossover. Um, so that can sometimes be a problem. I mean, I love, I love seeing like the, you know, Kachucks of the world and even like someone like Austin Matthews. Um, I actually, I actually even think Connor McDavid is kind of like starting to be more of an interesting person that like that a normie would would be like what's what's this guy's deal um so i think there's hope there but ringer specifically it can be hard because we're basketball is such our bread and butter and you know it's one thing to follow you know your two local basketball and hockey teams but i think a lot of my colleagues are just so basketball pilled that like that it's on at the exact same time as hockey you know it's you kind of have to make your choice there um from their perspective so I think shows like I really, I really, really enjoy that TNT show. Um, I think that's the kind of coverage that could, you know, bring in a little more attention here and there. It's night and day too when you watch the TNT show and then you watch the ESPN version of it. It feels yeah. like a shell of itself. It is I mean, totally the, different. The good thing is, I sometimes think back to the very long time, you know, uh, NBC or you oh, know, NBC sports show we had, and not to speak ill of them, um, but it, you know you've got the same guy, you've got Liam McHugh, but you just see the difference in production and in voice and in how, how they want to do things. And um, it's real. I really enjoy watching that show. And I think it's, yeah, they, I don't know. It makes me look back at the NBC show and be like, Ooh, Liam's be on the show. And the fact that they like change, not only let him be himself, but funny and charming at the yeah. same time, a year later on a different network is astounding. Yeah. It's exactly. like, Oh yeah. We did have like- this, huh? <laughs> I know. And it just shows like how you can manage the same talent in different ways, you know? And um, so I I think there's, there's things that can move forward. I don't, but you know, at the same time, we've been having the same conversation about hockey for like 20 years now. It's it's a niche sport. It's going to finally break out. Soccer's having its day and we're next. That's what's going to happen here. It's kind of like uh kind of soothing in some ways it shows that you know the universe is as it should <laughs> uh katie can i run down uh again ryan and i are in the bag for the ringer this is very clear we're not breaking news to you one of our favorite gimmicks is when kevin wilds comes on oh and does God. his half-baked ideas <laughs> and i need you to understand that i came up with a half-baked idea that i think is genius and i am giving it to you to present it to the powers that be okay it's called placebo driver All right. (laughs) Nobody watches NASCAR. Nobody. Well, some people do south of the Mason Dixon. Nobody else watches NASCAR. F1 has drive to survive. Everybody loves it. Everybody watches it. I think 
I think this should be for every race. Ryan thinks it should be once a year. But I think there should be a jury duty-like draw where for each race, a normal human being has to drive a NASCAR. And they have to race in like the Daytona 500. And I promise you, this is going to get 150 million people watching NASCAR. Imagine you, Katie Baker, get a notice in the mail or a phone call. And it's someone on the other line saying, Katie, get on an airplane. You're going to Daytona Beach. You've been drafted. (laughs) You're running in the 500. And you have to do it. You can't opt out. It's like like Hunger Games. Like there's a tribute. I mean, so... First of all, last year, I know this is slightly different. Um, I don't want car fans to get mad at me. You were talking about NASCAR, but last year I did a Formula One story and I truly knew nothing about car racing in, in any way, shape or form. And I was like moved by the by the tech by the gorgeous ballet of human and machine and like this <laughs> like something about the sound is so primal. And I also just did not understand how fast they go. So, um, you know, if they need a guinea pig, I, I would be a great, um, you know, I still drive a car that I have to like turn my whole body around to reverse because there's no like rear view cameras. Um, so yeah, I volunteer to do that. It also reminds me of, um, I don't know if you remember this in the winter Olympics, a few years back, there was, (laughs) there was some entrant in like the ski half pipe who had kind of paid her way, uh, done the global travel required to get enough international points just for like competing and finishing it all in an event and qualified for the Olympics. I don't remember like what country it was. Um, and, but she was kind of just like a regular, like it would be like me trying to ski. Yeah. If you look it up, I don't remember her name, but she went down the half pipe. She basically just kind of skied down the middle of the half pipe and I guess her dream was just to be in the Olympics, but it was so funny because it really was that like example of like a normal person. That's not a very yeah. normal thing to do. Um, and the actual athletes. <laughs> this this all started because you were covering the football, but I was just a normie watching the Niners game yesterday. And because the Daytona 500 is on Fox, Kevin Burkhart does this whole rant about breaking news. The Rock is going to be the Grand Marshal for Daytona 500. And I turned to my friend and I literally said, wouldn't it be better if he was just racing in it? Wouldn't that be more entertaining? Would that not get more people? And that's how we got, that's how I came up with Placebo Driver. I think it's a million dollar idea. I think it's great. $500 million. Yeah, the the name alone is is worth a thumbs up. Uh, Let's get to why we really brought you on. You covered the FTX trials. What was that like? I don't even know where to start with this. Okay, that was um, one of the my, my favorite things I've ever done in my career. I, you know, I used to work in finance myself, and and I worked in finance during the Bernie Madoff the whole situation, and we had clients that, against our recommendations, I should say, um, had money with him. So I just so much about the SBF and FTX, uh, you know, findings of fraud and. Um, it just, I just, it just brought me back. So I um, pitched it to my editors who were a little bit confused and skeptical, but the good thing about the, about him was that there's so many people wrapped up in this from Tom Brady to Giselle to, you know, Larry David. Yeah. Larry David, Super Bowl ads. So like it really did um, touch on the ringers core competencies. So, uh, 
I was originally just going to go for a week. I ended up basically being there for the whole month of October. Um, and it was, you know, I was kind of like someone trying to get some kind of like, you know, autographed bobblehead. I was like getting in line <laughs> at like all hours of the night and morning so that I could get a seat in the courtroom. Um, and yeah, and just to see, just to see like the trial and to cover it and, and, you know, they don't allow cameras in, in these courtrooms. And so I really felt like for once I was an actual source of information for the world versus just, you know, <laughs> flinging takes. So it was really cool and um, not to like celebrate uh, someone's downfall, but just, um, just to be in literally the front row some of the days to see it was just a really interesting professional experience. Was there like a particular moment that feels, I don't know how to say this, very surreal? Like, I can't believe this is what I'm seeing or watching during the trial. Yeah, it was probably definitely um, when Car- when Caroline Ellison, um, his, you know, former girlfriend on again, off again, and also his kind of deputy um, and and coke and admitted co-conspirator. Um, she cooperated with the government, but um, she had been such a mythical figure as everything was going down. And so the moment when she walked into the courtroom, really, just, I felt like I was in a movie with the doors <laughs> opening, um, and I didn't know what she was going to look like or how you know how she was going to be dressed, and she was looked exactly like herself in all the pictures I had seen. And that was a crazy moment. And just to see her, you know, kind of pointing at Sam and and talking about him and uh, talking about kind of a, a lot of the things that they got up to, you know, bribing Chinese officials and um, just like thing after thing. Um, that was definitely the most memorable day. Um, Sam was in the courtroom every day. So when he testified was memorable too, but something about that entrance was very cinematic. Uh, I hadn't told you this yet, but your appearance on the press box is what got me to start rereading Moneyball because Michael <laughs> Lewis is wrapped up in all of this as well. Oh yes, yep. it is. Yeah. When you and um, uh, Brian Curtis were talking about his involvement, his writing style and all that, it made me think for a second that like, man, maybe, maybe I've just gotten Michael Lewis wrong all these years. Maybe he's a little bit more questionable of a fellow than I've ever given him credit for. Moneyball is my favorite book. I'm rereading it. And now every time I read a line that he writes, I'm like, this guy's kind of a dick. I don't, I didn't read it this way the first time I heard it. So I, okay. I had this book on my shelf that I honestly think I had like, when I lived in Brooklyn, there's always like the most amazing books just like out on people's stoops for people to take. And there was, I have this old book called, um, like, if you really want to blow your mind with Michael Lewis, it's called The Money Culture. And it's a collection of his columns that he was writing for, like, The New Republic in 1989. And, oh um, and it's, and it's just funny, because he's like, you know, railing against like, greed. And um, I, there's, I, I swear to God, there's one essay where he's like, almost making fun of kind of a um, an early prototype of like effective altruism, which was such a huge part of the SBF uh, psyche and like uh, rise to power. Um, and he's like really skeptical of it. Whereas now in this newer book, he's like, wow, this is fascinating mindset. Um, and anyway, I, the, the call, first of all, they're an incredible portrait of like 
high 80s greed and banking and you know leveraged buyouts and those sorts of things. Um, but it also is such a fascinating, it just makes you see the trajectory of Michael Lewis. I mean, it's like watching, you know, his, uh, his, you know, combine tapes or something like that (laughs) (laughs) on the eve of his retirement. So, yeah, I mean, he was at the trial. Um, that was another surreal thing. Um, he was at the trial of Ben McKenzie from the OC, um, who's kind of has a second career as a crypto critic. Um, were, yeah, there's a lot of very random, uh, uh, you know, bold faced names, I guess, at the, at the trial. Yeah. Few people had a worse 2023 than Michael Lewis, I think in hindsight, between the SBF stuff and then the Michael Ower stuff, it it's getting yes. pretty bad for my guy out there. And it's making me question a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, and you also just see that like, he doesn't, I don't know. This is also just sort of a, there's a lot of people that are like this kind of old school, you know, great writers. It's like, he's not, you know, what I'm like, recording things and then I have to send the transcript to the fact checkers and he I think just takes a lot of handwritten notes and goes remembers for things from memory and which is fine um but yeah it, it was just interesting to see how he saw the trial like I think even after everything he still saw Sam like not necessarily as a victim but like uh, he just saw him in the light of like, I, I don't know why he did this. Um, I don't know why he decided to testify and make things wor- worse for himself. Um, and it's like, it's not that hard to see. Like he sort of is a pathological liar. And <laughs> like, so a lo- it's not out of the realm of his personality to get up on stand and, um, and be really angry when confronted with, with certain, you know, truths. There's a couple paragraphs in his book where he talks about Sam is taking like really high level CEO calls and on the other screen, he's playing video games <laughs> and he's very, very bad at those video games. But the way he describes how Sam is at the video games, he's like, his mind's moving in a way of 4D chess and he's playing a game of only like that is so much better than chess where he's maneuvering dragons and armies like no, dude, I was playing that game. Like he, <laughs> he clicked, he left, left clicked and dragged it to another spot. Like that's as far as it really went. It was like, he was doing a puzzle pretty much. It's like if you, it's like if you zoomed in on Sam's screen, it would be, you know, like, I don't know how all these video games work, but you know, like battle against like New York Rangers 69. Like, yeah, know, it's, like, yeah, I beat him. That was team, my name. Yeah. <laughs> It's like my parents telling their friends that, you know, Greg is capable of dominating world economics. And it's because I play a lot of Civ Six. Yeah. Like that, that's, his, that's equivalent of what's going his on. His history here. lesson is unparalleled. It's like he's playing as Gandhi and he just nuked Germany. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like, you know, Michael Lewis wasn't the only one to be so taken by that. Like there is this whole article that was commissioned by Sequoia, the like the VC fund that was extremely intertwined with him and it's and 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 the article talks about how when they were first you know doing quote unquote due diligence on him and having these calls and he was playing video games and they thought that was like the coolest thing like check out this guy um oh my god yeah so it's just kind of funny how we make these myths like you know you could see if if uh if it hadn't if you know if it hadn't all sort of collapsed we could still be getting those features and those, you know, 
all of a sudden something that's actually kind of weird and like probably a little unprofessional um, is like this really heroic quality. But then in hindsight, it's just absurd. It's absurd. And just for reference, he's the, the type of games he was playing was called auto battlers. It means auto, <laughs> like he's not doing the work. It just looks impressive. Anyway. And wasn't one of them called like Storybrooke Story Story Brawl? Brawl? Made by former Magic the Gathering professional players, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paid sounds by like and funded you, by him. Sounds like you may have some, uh, uh, you know, experience done, with this game. <laughs> I've done some SPF research. So, fun times. Um, yeah, no, I mean that, it, you know, he um, he still hasn't been sentenced yet. That happens in March. So that'll be another, you know, kind of big, big day. I, I don't believe I'll be there, but... Um, I, I'm sure it'll be like a big scene as it was during the trial. Unbelievable. Greg, any final questions for our, our dear friend, Katie? Uh, I think that just about covers it. Do you think uh, this rate, do you think the Rangers essentially turn it around at some point? I guess we could end on a Ranger note where like, do you consider yourself a doomer where this current run of play is indicative of what the Rangers actually are? Or are you a believer in thinking that first part of the season is the true Rangers and they're just in a funk right now? <laughs> I think I'm more of a believer than not just because I, I don't know. I, I, I guess, or I guess I should say, I just feel like this, is this playoffs is their shot. Um, and I think they know that, I think they'll know that. And I don't know, I just came off covering the San Francisco 49ers and they had a few times this season where I think they lost three straight at one point. they, have been looked terrible in the first half of their last two playoff games, but they had that, like that knowledge that they were able to come back and then they, they did come back. And so part of me has been sort of thinking about the Rangers in those terms where if they are the team that I think they are, I would expect them to be able to get past this. Maybe I'm totally wrong about what, the, what team they are. Um, but I feel like they've shown over the years that they have the, the capacity. Um, and I'd, I'd rather them kind of screw up right now than go into the playoffs riding high target on their back, you know, which they may still have anyway, but, and, and then seize up or go through kind of the usual slumps that sometimes you go through and, and that's it. That's the end of the first round. So um, I'm, I'm not a doomer. I, I often am a doomer in these situations, but I actually, um, I think the, the earlier half of the season is closer to, to them than the one we've seen in January. <laughs> two, two more quick ones for you, because you talking about covering the game has reminded me of it. Is there anything better than the storyline of Mr. Irrelevant versus Mr. Most Relevant, the guy dating Taylor Swift against the guy taking with the very last pick in the draft? And also... Have you seen that Travis Kelsey to propose after the Super Bowl is yes plus one ninety? They've changed Wait, the lines gonna, already. I was going to ask, so it is like like available to be like. I believe it's on. I believe it's on Fanduel. The, oh Greg, I want I want you to know that they switched the lines already and they, they made really? them way higher. Wait, so how how can it be on Fanduel? Like, how does it work? Because presumably you, you the fix could be in like right i mean that's like i like think you, you can only bet a certain amount okay um but <laughs> I, it originally was 190 uh plus 190 for yes and minus 250 for no and it has since gone to i think minus 1500 
Has there ever been a fixing scandal related to the length of the uh, national anthem? I know that's always like, why wouldn't you just like pay that person a lot of money to to sing short or long? I guess they probably cap that one too. Uh, but you can at least say like that is the singer's moment, right? So maybe the singer, usually a famous person anyway, has the money, isn't really worried True. about making the hundreds <laughs> upon thousands of dollars they could easily make by simply <laughs> rushing through the national anthem. Uh, they but, could just like have a sponsored Insta instead and make that money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, but this is once I saw lines were posted on whether Taylor Swift would be engaged at the end of the Super Bowl, I was like, this, this is it for me. I am here. I am seen. <laughs> this is the content I needed. I appreciate that mindset. I've, uh, mindset get, like over the, um, it's just funny to see some people lose their minds. If I see, her on TV one Whatever. more time. Grow like, up. Yeah, it's just, yeah, get a grip. Like, it's a TV up. show How at the sad. end of the day. There's, a, there's a three hours of commercials. Three hours. Yeah. Did you see that CBS is doing seven hours of pregame for the Super Bowl? Seven. They're starting at 1130. What? What do I need? It's seven hours of one game. Um, by the way, my favorite, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a video of um, Jason Kelsey's uh, wife. Kylie talking about him at the Buffalo game and how desperately he wanted to jump through a table, but like <laughs> the stars didn't align. And so he brought that energy into the stadium and was like, I'm going to take off my shirt. Um, and what a legend. It's really funny. If you watch this video, I became like the biggest Kylie Kelsey fan after seeing it because she is so funny. I feel like she would be all of our friend. Um, I don't have a parasocial relationship with her or anything like that, I swear. Um, but it's it was from Good Morning America, so definitely worth looking up. Well, I saw I saw that Jason himself went on the podcast uh, after the game, and he was like, she was getting angry at me for doing it. And I was like, babe, I met you blackout drunk. This is not the worst <laughs> you've ever seen me. And I'm like, yes, man. I, re- I love it. I respect it. Yeah, after I watched the clip, I was kind of just, looking looking into the genesis of their relationship and first of all they met on tinder and second of all he fell asleep at the bar on their first date and so like (laughs) and now they have three three children and she seems awesome so i can see you know travis kelsey could be the biggest dud ever and if i were taylor i'd still want to marry into that family so um yeah it'll, it'll be funny to see katie thank you so much for giving us the time tonight anything you want to plug before you get out of here Oh, you know, just the ringer.com website, podcast, the intersection of sports and culture, our favorite place. Um, Yeah. Give it a, give it a chance. I'm very sad. I wasn't able to get tickets to the uh, rounders live episode they're doing in New York for the rewatchables. Oh oh no. I'm I'm upset. I, I, I didn't think it was going to sell out as fast as it did. And that's on me. All the events (laughs) sell out so quick. It's insane. The cold weather. I love that it's a cold weather tour. That's like, I'm surprised. Like in classic ringer fashion, I'm surprised they're not like these are the top seven cold cold weather cities. <laughs> There's some strange number of you know ranking. Um, One day, but yeah, rewatchable is great stuff. Um, and yeah, well, maybe, you know, maybe you can maybe you can scalp tickets outside or something. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing this week? I'm scalping tickets to a podcast. <laughs> to a ringer. Sick. I mean, hey, I, I saw I went to Francesa Con at Irving Plaza. So I But that's me. legendary. It's different. It's different. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys. Have a good one. All right, we're back. Thanks to Katie. Appreciate her coming on and dealing with our nonsense. <laughs> um 
look, there's a. Do you want to do Rumble now or after five stars? Probably after five stars. Just give the people what they want. This is going to be a two-hour episode. Do they really need Rumble at the hour and 30 mark and not the hour and 50 (laughs) mark? Probably not. Uh, So let's do five-star questions. This is from TSE1231. What are your thoughts on the rumor of Maxim Sipkov? Sipkov? Yes, this question is only to hear Ryan pronounce that name. So there you go. Yeah, what what you what you need to know is there's a 25 year old in Russia tearing it up and scoring a lot of goals. And in the summer, it might make sense for the Rangers to inquire upon his services. But that's also a very complicated matter. Of can you even sign guys from Russia right now? I'm not sure. I actually don't think you can. I don't but... know. I th- th- there's this whole thing going on in Ukraine. I don't know if you've heard about it. A lot going on. There's a plane across, above my house currently. Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> I make one Confederacy joke. And they fucking start. Where are you, by the way, on Texas right now? No, Let's... no, no, no comments. That's where I'm at. No comments. No comments on this Rangers show. I did. I saw one tweet that really made me laugh about the whole Texas. Uh, I don't even shit know what's going on in Texas. Uh, they're trying to declare. They're essentially trying to declare independence. That's all you need. That's oh, really? Is that actually real? Yeah, kind of, sort of. They want to. They want to kill some people at the border. It might not be great. It's it's going to be tough. Anyway, I saw one tweet uh, that was like. Man, if I really had to choose between Texas and the United States government, I'm going to go with the ones with predator drones. <laughs> yeah. And I was I mean, like, I saw that and I was like, that's a good point. Good yep. point. Like I started clapping just like you would in Family Feud when someone hits the buzzer and says a really good word. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Good one. I like it. Turns out military strong. Uh, yeah, this is yeah, from yeah. AK. So, uh, okay. So anyway, so we're in a slump. This is from January 24th. So oh, things boy. are bad. So we're in a slump. We knew it would come eventually. Snake bites and ouchies aside, the lads just don't seem to look as confident in themselves out there as they did earlier in the season. Are there two in their heads or are the players their own biggest doomers? I would say the confidence on this team has gone from sky high, as high as it can go, to the dumps pretty quickly. Like, But it, you can watch it over time. Of course, the Ottawa game, which you wrote this question before that, was a bit, pretty big pick-me-up, but it doesn't mean that it's not the fixer. for the, there's, there's still a long road ahead for this team. Yeah, as a man that has watched the Mets play a lot of baseball in June, I would say they are not quite June Mets level, but Igor's playing like a June Met. That's a perfectly said. This is from O Farts. Some new oh. names this year, uh, this this week rather. What happened to where's my dog Farts? Is he still around? I actually don't know. I hope he's he is. Honking hope... outside. Okay. Well, listen, we placebo driver, get him in there. <laughs> This is from Oh Farts. At what point does power play one get a shakeup? It may kind of deserve it. Does does it make sense to take the currently stale player like Zibanejad off the man advantage until they break through 5v5? 0-3 against the league's worst power play during a slumping half is alarming. Uh, yeah, we, we kind of talked about this on OT, like why it would be cool to give Mika Zibanejad a break and let Lafreniere get loose up there. We actually just tried to suspend Mika Zibanejad. For, for farting! For <laughs> farting! This works fly, out! Fly for farting, baby! <laughs> Wait, let's, here we go. We're starting a second podcast. We're calling it Five for Farting. I don't know. what is that podcast just about gas? Not necessarily the gas that comes out of your body. Right, just all gases? Yeah, like we just have a methane episode. Guess, get gassed up. Yeah, we'll have, a, we'll have a bunch of sections. Um, we we're kind of in agreement with you, O Farts, but I don't think Laviolette ever shakes this up. It's, it's from Funny Jello. Wow, well, just just names. just just to just to put a bow on that point you're making. Sure, it, sure. It, this is what we've talked about as well with the Panarin Trocheck Lafreniere line, where you do become a victim of your own success, where something works so well that when it stops really working, 
or other things around it stop working. You feel like you can't tweak that one thing because you have so much empirical evidence that it works. This is from uh, Funny Jello. After losing to the Sharks, what do we think of Barb? Barbanov, there we go. Barabanov. Oh wow! On the third third right wing, we kind of talked about the right wing situation earlier. He assisted yeah. last night and scored in the Rangers December. Plays left and right. And no, nah, listen. Gold. If the Rangers are adding a winger, it has to be someone you can play with Zibanejad. It's that simple. There, there is no reason to add a winger just to add a winger and put them potentially in a position that Tyler Pitlick is more than capable of playing himself. This next question is from Dang American and To. At the All-Star Game, Gary surprises everyone with this announcement. There is an expansion draft at the end of the season. Who do you protect from this roster? The rules are the same as the last two expansion drafts. You can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, a goalie, or eight skaters plus a goalie, plus entry-level players do not count. Who gets poached from this lineup? I feel like we'll have to lose someone valuable this time. That's an OT episode for the summer. That is correct. Yeah. Come back in June, (laughs) and we will do 35 minutes on this. Sure. Right after I continue my placebo driver. I will have placebo driver at that point tweaked perfectly. It's for Trinity of Misery. Panarin refuses to play with Kako. Agreed. And Zvenajad Kreider seems like a black hole for whatever's on the right wing. Does Kako have any shot of actually sticking in the top six with, with the Rangers? Or are we doomed to watch him become who we hoped for for another team? Uh, I think there might be a chance that Kako isn't on this team next year. But I, I, to go back to... Salary cap situation. Kako is so damn cheap, and he is a valuable player in the NHL. I, I have I find it really hard to believe Chris Drury would want to move off for him unless it's he's being sold something he's really really interested in. Yeah, and again, we're in this mindset where obviously for obvious reasons we want Kako Kako in the top six because we think he's a player that has untapped potential within scoring upside, and that's great. But if I told you the Rangers lineup was so deep and so strong that Kako had no choice but to play bottom six minutes. You wouldn't really be complaining. It's not the end of the world. If that makes the Rangers a better team and more likely to win a Stanley Cup, we'd all be for it. It's just the question of what's the player the Rangers are acquiring and is that player actually better than Capo Caco? I don't know. I just got to see it. It's from Brettley. Wow, those stadium... Oh, we didn't talk about this either. Wow, the stadium series jerseys uh, sure are something. On an unrelated note, Greg, in 30 seconds, how many things can you name that you care more about than the stadium series jerseys? Everything going on in Texas, uh, one. Um, I got really big into tsunamis a couple weeks ago, just like how they happen, how they form, where they're most likely to hit. That's number two. Um, Give me one more. Andre Scrub and whether he makes the Mets opening day roster. That's a good one. Yeah, I I need to know. I great name. I, let's find out. It's from Ryan C three three four. Rank these areas in terms of concerns: finishing ability, rush defense, and goaltending. I actually love this question because I don't know where I start. Number one, tsunamis. Those things fuck you up, Ryan. Well, tsunamis are ridiculous. They're yeah. so powerful. Yeah, it's they're fuck. It's wild. It's just the displacement of water. You would big wave, so. baby, big wave. They're uh, not. They're I, not all big waves. Some of them are slow burns. Uh, I think the the <laughs> Japan one was a huge wave situation. No, that was that was a never ending onslaught of continuous waves. It wasn't like yeah, it wasn't one big wave. That, there are videos online. I there was an hour long one, Ryan. When I was with my parents for ten days, <laughs> I, 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 I needed to do other things besides create a fantasy baseball uh, prospect ranking metric. And Zero one C of them, plus, yes. I watched the fucking Japanese tsunami for an hour and five minutes. That's how long the video was on YouTube. 
and incredible. Yeah, it's just it's just it's water has to go somewhere. But anyway, what was the question? What area it am I was, most uh, concerned rank your, about? Rank the areas in terms of concern: finishing ability, rush defense, or goaltending in order. Goaltending fixes rush defense to a certain extent. Where I think rush defense is my number one. I think goaltending is my number one because if my goaltending is right, I ideally don't want more rushes happening against me. But the problem with Igor Shosturkin is he usually stops those. So rush defense becomes a problem when there's a different problem already existing. And to me, that's the goaltending. Finishing ability is definitely last. Yeah, they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. They scored seven goals on fucking Saturday. Statistically, it will happen. It'll happen. This is from Panera Node Android. This was after they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. This question is simply, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I think we covered that. Yeah. Uh, this is from Tag to Seamus. Are the underreactors or o- and overreactors both right? Can it be true that this team gets the yips every single season but enters the playoffs in an advantage position? I think so. Can this also be very real cause for concern and raise questions? I'd say it can. Yes, there's nuance in all of this. Unbelievable. It's why we do the show. No, but <laughs> the overreactors who were saying in November that this team would, was doomed, you're just weird. Yeah. I, I, I don't I can, know. You yeah. better enjoy it when it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> When the Rangers had won 18 of 22 games and you were like, I don't know. I think it's all going to come crumbling down. This is miserable. You're just fucking weird. You're like, you can't enjoy life at all. I, now, if here's my thing. If someone was still truly 100% not worried, like I'm mostly fine with where I think the Rangers are going to go, but I admit that there are things happening. Igor Shosturkin, Mika Zibanejad, so on and so forth where I, I, Keandre Miller, where I need things to improve in order to justify my feelings of hope. But the people who, I don't think there's anyone right now who is just head in the sand, everything's fine. I don't think that person exists. So I, my problem with the overreactors is you started, you were so desperate to be the first to say that this team might not be good, which I still disagree with. But you were so desperate to say it that the Rangers rattled off 10 straight wins and you were saying it then. And that's fucking weird behavior. And if you if you hear me saying that and are asking yourself, am I that guy? Yes. <laughs> you are. You are. You are. So stop. Are. Like, it, if, if, if your goal as a sports fan is to be able to say, I told you so, just do something else. Watch a movie. You can do this about no, just, movies. Just, if, if your goal as a sports fan is to t- say that, just then tell everybody this team's not winning the cup. Because you're probably right. <laughs> you're, it's no, the only just, thing you can... What what joy are you getting from being able to tell people you knew first that we stink? Like what what? How does that get you off? That's like Vince McMahon shitting on someone's head. I don't get it. I didn't read all the details. We'll get into it later. <laughs> I didn't read all the details. I read some of the Brock stuff. I was a little surprised. Well, did you notice that um, Brock wasn't suddenly in the Royal Rumble and they're like Pat McAfee? Come on down. Yeah, so weird. Mm. Um. This is from uh, Fill Me Up Daddy. Oh, Vince, how are you? Good to see you, buddy. Oh, wow. Jesus. What, what not contract? that Vince, the other, the one we were just talking about. I know about. what you're talking about. Everybody Do else you? Too. Yes, we're not they... talking to the beat writer. And it's Phil <laughs> as in Philip Heedle. Oh? Uh, oh. What contract do you give Shesterkin when this one ends? I'm thinking two years, five million. Uh, just so five. you know, Fill Me Up Daddy, there's no chance. And yeah. every team in the NHL would give him that in a heartbeat. Yeah, he's in getting five. He's getting, he's getting five years. And the number's yep. going to start with a six. At least. At minimum. At minimum. I agree. 
Uh, this is from David. How does it feel to finally see Tropicana Field fully filled? Man, it, it, dude. So <laughs> kicking I, me while I'm down. Holy yeah, shit. I, I had this I had this conversation. Joe Joey Knapps came over and Bear was here as well watching the wrestling. Joe Knapps, I hope he's doing well. He's 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 living his life, man. He that guy, I fucking love him. We had a very long discussion about the Middle East. It was Wow. Yeah. I dude, I love him. It's just incredible. Um Wow. Uh, anyway, when they showed the graphic of 48,044 people, how many home games does it take to fill that? And I'm not saying tickets sold, Ryan. I'm saying people through the turnstile. What number home game do we get to with the Rays where their season attendance is 48,044 people? And we're not talking like opening day weekend. We're only talking. No, like- I'm, you can include it because I, I, you're getting past that. I think legitimately between seven and nine. <laughs> I think on average the Rays get about eighty five hundred. Yeah, there's some nights where they do sixty one. So yeah, I think I think you're. I think it takes a week of Rays baseball, especially if the Yankees are in town, maybe less than a week, but a week of Rays baseball for them to get the forty eight thousand. I'm miserable. Uh, this is I didn't from... even. Did you even know they opened the upper deck at Tropicana Field? They opened it for this event. Yeah, they didn't I open didn't. It for the playoffs. When's the last time you think the upper deck was open at Tropicana it's Field? Never open, Greg. Never. Do they even have bathrooms up there? Like, what happens? It's, I don't know. Um, this is from Madam, as in Matt M. Adam. Oh. Uh, oh, why do you? Why do no, you think it's, Mackie it's, got it's the Madam Fox? You didn't even finish the name. Madam Fox. Oh, Madam Fox twenty three. Sorry. Jesus uh, Christ. Why do you think Mackie got the nod over Matthew Robertson? Matthew Robertson's bad, Ryan. Are you going to take an L on that one yet? I think I am. Uh, if you look at the top rankings for most of his prospects, he's not even listed anymore. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's yeah. Been bad. Listen, and this isn't. This has been a trend all year. Where like Hope came on our podcast last week, said the kid's struggling. Yep, that's it. It's that not simple. playing well. So that's why Mackie got the nod. Mm. Cal. Uh, well, Brian actually asks Connor Mackie, New York Rangers legend. Yeah, he saved the season. This is from Cal. Has the mood of the Rangers fan base ever flipped as fast as it did after the Ottawa win? I'm sure it has. Have you been in the playoff series? <laughs> I don't know. Bad. We're back today. I saw the, I, I've been off Twitter, thank Christ, for a lot Me of too, the mostly. day-to-day. But I, someone started a Keandre Miller trade thread, and it's just it's yeah, fucking whatever. miserable. I think that was Bleacher Report, and I'm I'm cool, bro. I don't need it. I just, I'm good. I, listen, we're a miserable bunch of sick fucks. We didn't even talk about the goal song yet. Oh, my God. What? I, uh, well, Ray came out and said it's goal, not woe. No, he so says it's having... woe, not goal, actually. Oh, you didn't sorry, even watch the video correctly. Uh, sorry, woe, not goal. You want to know what? Well, you, you know what? You want to know something I care less about than the fucking all-star jerseys? <laughs> that one? That. <laughs> I just live your truth, man. Do it, whatever you think it is, great. We're yeah. all saying we're, we're all just making fucking noise at that point. So who cares? Just scream. Who cares? Yeah. This is from Glove. Given the current state of the Rangers play and the tweet by Larry guessing that Drury does not want to give up a first round pick or a blue chip like Gabe, who would you guys target to add speed and grit to the bottom six? We kind of went over a lot of this. I, I again, I'm not really adding anyone. To, I, like, if you want to get another center that would eventually play in the bottom six, that's fine. I just, to me, Again, if you have a conditional second and Brett Burrard as your best possible trade package at the trade deadline, you're not getting a lot. You're just getting a better winger than you're getting a center. So if like I'd rather get the better winger and then just throw 14 darts at AHL centers that teams don't care about that they just have rostered for some reason. I just 
give me someone where if Brodzinski gets hurt, I feel like I can call up a different point-per-game center and see if he fits. I just, I don't know why teams don't do, I, just look at the trade market for centers. It's so bad. Are you really, is your team worse for trading for Mark Jankowski, who I think is first or second in the AHL in scoring, but is 31 years old and in, in the AHL? Is your team worse for getting him than it is for getting Zemgis Gergensen? I don't think so. I think those moves are pretty even. The difference is Gergensen's going to cost you a second, where Jankowski's going to cost you a conditional seventh. Final question. And Jets Rangers, I do see your questions, but it, it is something we've answered a million times. This is from uh, Blind Zebra looking for work. This question is for Greg. Have you seen Saltburn? I watched it last night on Amazon. And I can say I, I can't say I've ever been more bewildered by a movie of recent memory. Definitely not a movie I could watch in theaters. I have not seen it. Yeah, I'm avoiding Saltburn. Uh, I, I I just don't I don't get it. I I I, I, I think Saltburn wants to be Babylon, which is amazing, and it's not. I did see poor things over the weekend. Was not prepared for the amount of sex Emma Stone was having in that movie. Didn't I don't even know what Poor Things is. Uh, it's I'm really not, good. Yeah, I, I think. Right now. Yeah, I think you'd like Poor Things. Uh, it's by the guy who did the Favorite. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Okay, know the Favorite. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's really good and it's very interesting and spectacularly weird. Um, it's been a good. This Oscars is a good year for movies, which is why I'm doing an Oscars podcast tomorrow, Ryan. I don't know if you oh, want wow. me to plug that right now. Uh, it's actually a good crowd. It's me, Jeff, Cresci, and Binksy and Vin. Wow, that is a good crowd. Full, full room. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna break down the movies, the nominees, and all that. It'll be fun. I still have a lot of movies to see, but I've ingested enough media about these movies where I think I can talk about them intelligently. Kind of. I'm also gonna ask them about placebo driver, obviously. But no, I, I'm not seeing Saltburn. I have no interest. Uh I do recommend poor things. Sadly, it's been it's such a good crop of Oscar movies for me that poor things is only fourth in my top ten right now. Uh, do you want to do Royal Rumble? Yeah, we can do it quickly. So, uh, spoilers for everybody. We're going to talk Royal Rumble for a couple minutes here. You then, couldn't uh, listen if you follow uh, Yadira on Twitter. You were spoiled already. You're good. Well, uh, did you see what happened in the last hour of Royal Rumble? No, in the last hour today. What happened in the last hour today? I've been off the internet. Punk uh, is getting surgery, and he will not be at WrestleMania. A fucking course he. I fucking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make fun of Bear so much. This, did he get hurt in the match or was this already happening? He got hurt in the match. Fucking course he did. This is why he doesn't wrestle. Like, this is why he should have won the Rumble. Just like, you have a you have a finite amount of shit you can do with Punk. Well, that's yep. stink. Well, now I hope I hope Rollins gets surgery too. There's no need for Rollins to wrestle at Mania. Rollins is a great too. He's fine. He's not going to need surgery. No, but he, um. he just invent a surgery for Rollins. Now you just have to push that match to SummerSlam. I'm kind of pissed because I have tickets for Saturday night thinking that was going to be the match. Yeah. I'm sure, sure it's still going to be good, but that's what, that was the match I wanted to see. That's why I was going. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I just, I, before we get into talking the rumble, can I just vent for one second? Yeah, please. It's a fine idea. Making these title runs mean something. Make, stopping people dropping belts at every other pay-per-view. I get it. That's great. Ryan, I am sick and fucking tired of these belts never changing hands. They got to move. It's fucking boring, dude. I, Roman has no... had the belt for four years, bro. Five! Oh, my God. And, Cody's winning. Cody's winning. It's, it's a lock. Gunther's had the belt for more than a fucking two years at this point, too. I'm, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just fucking bored, dude. 
Like, yep. the one belt that changes hands is currently in the hands of a fucking YouTube kid. I just... Yep. I, He's good, though, but yeah. I, it, well, it's sickening how good Logan Paul is. He's it, like... Or he was, like, made for the WWE. I, I don't understand. So, it's disgusting. But... It's, I don't, how is he so good? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> you know, Rhea hasn't dropped the belt since Mania. If you want to go a year and you want to just trade belts at Mania or SummerSlam, fine, great, grand. I can understand it. But these belts never fucking change hands it's like they don't matter anymore they don't like think about it they're trying to make money in the bank be important and usually in a normal year it is it's a fucking joke that damian priest has it at this point who is he cashing in on that he's actually gonna fucking win against right nobody nobody it's a joke i'm so i am so bored by it it's i get it the the matches themselves are phenomenal they're great and i'm gonna keep watching the tent pole like i'm gonna watch the shit out of elimination chamber just because that's one of my favorite gimmick events then and the netflix existed. deal is huge it's huge. not as big as you think it is it's really a five-year deal for half that money but like, you know they can opt in for another 10 years if it goes well that's sure ridiculous. but i mean the years they're opting in the expected current day value is significantly lower right, right. like that deal is not more valuable than how much apple is paying for the mls like it's that not on, crazy. Yeah. Well, the, Apple's done some crazy shit recently. Well, they have a lot of money, so they sure do. But the, the, the women's rumble was very entertaining. Yeah. I thought, and, I thought they were nice little surprises. A lot of great wrestling. And they said it was good. And the best part about it is not only was the match itself good, but it very clearly set up some storylines that you can read into. Bailey was always going to win. Um, if you've been watching recently, it, it's tailor made where now either Bailey to me, it seems like they are, we're, somehow narrowing down to a damage control blow up where Bailey goes up against EO sky at mania. Great. All for it. Bet you that belt changes hands and Bailey gets a face turn. Wonderful. I'm there for it. Uh, but also I'd be there for Bailey Rhea. That would be fun. They set up Jade and Bianca to either go against each other or do shit together, which seems really fun and exciting. There are storylines out of the women's rumble. Liv Morgan is back. Uh, Tiffany Stratton got sure did, a lot of good things in that match. Naomi is back. You see the, the breadcrumbs for the women's division in that match. And they did it in an exciting, entertaining way. Uh, I was hoping for Sasha to come back, but I didn't think she was because it just, it doesn't sound like that one's going to happen. But I, I was happy with the women's match. That's how the show started. It started on an upswing and I liked it. And then I thought it kind of like I, I enjoyed the men's rubble. It's always fun. We had a pool going with my friends on Discord. We were just sitting there, you know, watching, having a good time. But there were points like it didn't have a lot of um, memorable spots, not a lot of surprises, and it did feel like it kind of got rewrit at the last second. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, uh, it it was clear that Brock needed to was going to be in the rumble and needed to come out for obvious reasons, uh, which is why the whole McAfee thing happens. But. Yep. Like I'm not, I, I'm not gassed to see Andrade back. I don't care. I didn't care when he left, so that doesn't do anything for me. Um, to me, I if The Rock is not going to be at the Royal Rumble, and it's clear that he wasn't, I get that you don't want the Fatal Four Way to be the last match of the card because we everybody and their mother knew Reigns was winning. He's carrying the belt to Mania. This was meaningless. To me, what doesn't make sense is you have that fatal four-way second before your U.S. championship match, but then none of AJ, L.A. Knight, or Randy are in the Rumble, and The Rock's not there? Yeah, it was like a lot of talent was missing. I just, to me, I listen, we're all 
pointing towards something with the rumble. I get it. You want the fucking moment with Cody pointing at the sign, yelling at Roman Reigns, blah, blah, blah. You want that moment at rumble. You're telling me we couldn't convince the rock, the new chairman of the board, essentially for TKO. You couldn't do the fatal four way match last and just let if you smell be the last thing that hits, he doesn't even make it to the ring. He just gives him the people's eyebrow from the ramp and we fade the black. We couldn't have that. No. I, yeah, the men's rumbles. I just, I don't know, man. I like Cody. I'm so fucking bored. I'm bored. He, he has to win at mania this year. If you allow Cody Rhodes to lose twice to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. What are we doing? What are we doing? No one's beating Reigns because you, you don't need, the, the, this point has been made by much smarter people who watch wrestling every week than you and I. You don't need the belt for Rock Reigns. You don't need that even at – that doesn't need to be at SummerSlam. You create an event. You put that event on a streaming service. It's a one-off. It's a one-match one card. It is Roman Reigns. It's The Rock. That's it. Head of the table. Who leads the family? That's all we got to figure out. Belt doesn't have to be involved. If Cody loses to The Rock again – Ryan, what's the point of watching this every week? What's the fucking point? So apparently CM Punk is now out for nine months. Great! <laughs> torn tricep. Jesus so. Christ. I just, the man is made of tin gla- tinfoil at this point and, 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 yeah. and fucking plexiglass. Well, there goes that Rollins match I really want to see. It's probably going to be Rollins-Gunther now. It's my, my imagination. So. I mean, th- th- yeah, probably. Unbelievable. It's, I just, it's a good fight, but, you know. No, but also, like, punk. oh, please, God, do not let it be belt for belt. I don't need one of these guys who never loses to now have two belts they're never going to lose. I would just push Gunther then if that's the case. But how, how do you – they've created a monster run. How do you get the belt off? What are you what, <laughs> he's just going to drop it? They got a big show coming up this summer in Germany. That man's going to have gold on him when they get to Germany. Yeah, that's true. There's no chance. So we could we could do a lot on this, can't we? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, like I listen, wrestling isn't for everyone, and I get it. And if you think it's childish and all that, I'm always fascinated by the storylines. It, it's it's oh, it's I think I think there's everyone goes through periods where they go, this is stupid. But if you sit down and like, there's so much to love about it. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, and I just you know, shit, man. People watch the Kardashians. I can't watch wrestling. Yeah, I don't. Yes. But I'm also I'm a weird ass fan. I'll listen to a wrestling podcast every week. And then I will only watch the pay-per-views. That's what I do too. Yeah. And oh, the Ru- Mask Man? Oh yeah. I, lo- I love yeah. Shoemaker. We're, and we're Ringer Shills. Come on. Katie Baker's yep. on the show today. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. I, the men's rumble stunk. It, it did. There was no fun. Like not even Hogan came in, which would have been stupid. It would have been so bad. But they were so shoving bad. him down your throat all fucking day because it's like, it's the 50th year of Hogan or some shit. And it's in Tampa. And you're not going to just let him brother his way to the ring so he can get thrown out immediately yeah i did i will say again the women's rumble was the best part of it our truth coming out and sliding in thinking it was the men's rumble for the women's match he's oh, great he's fucking great the hot tag the hot tag was the best moment was, of, the month of the whole rumble so good oh god so good he's it's so stupid when you think about it and you look back you're like this is the dumbest thing ever but you reach an age where it's like nah man that shit fucking slaps it's kind of funny i'm yeah, fucking it's... here for it that guy's oh, been, yeah, oh, Archer's like, well, he's just like 53, man. He's old as shit. Is he really? Yeah, he's old. He oh. looks great. Looking great, man. All right. Uh, that's the show. Long one today. Yeah, we did it. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Blue Shirt. Uh, you can follow Greg at Blue Shirt. Right? Ah! <laughs> you can follow Ryan at O'Ryan Mead. And, and if we'll you want back. to contribute to my Kickstarter placebo driver, I will have the, <laughs> I will have the web address on Twitter by the end of the day tomorrow. 
Can you check? Is Placebo Driver the URL taken? Uh, I'm, I'm checking right now. Is uh, Placebo uh, U Driver URL available? Let's see. Come on. I can't be reached. All right. Oh, all right. Here we're we business. Go. Here we go. We're gonna we're we're transitioning. The, we have what we're trying to tell you guys is we know that Kabukaku is being traded. So what yep. we're doing is finding our new thing. Okay. Yeah. We Ryan was allowed to have the last idea, which was this one's Greg's. Greg, it's Greg's turn to cook, and Greg's thing is placebo driver. It's against your will. Okay. Yeah, it's just, listen, do you want to go to jury? Jury duty, the show was a hit. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying placebo driver, you're watching. You're watching. This has been Bushers Breakaway. We'll be back with PSBOT uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, so I want to thank all our NHL Insider Club members by mispronouncing their name. The Insider Club has been bumping recently, have had some real good scoops and some uh, really fun interactions, of course, uh, including some nice compliments on how, some, how much some people learn. It's the best place to chat Rangers hockey on the internet. Ask anybody in there. Uh, anyway, without further ado, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortula, Adam Peach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gartner, Amber Co- Coensberger, Andrew Rahner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Monturo. Anthony Tanagretta, Ari Zanger, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Olson, Bill Bill Rattel, Brendan Lacos, Brendan Magnum, Breck Ranger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, Cizé, Chris Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stelwagen, Conrad Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizan, David Naredin, David Siegel, DJ Banana Jazz, Dylan, Brett Schneider, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Greg, Gretzky McFly, not those are two different people, in case you're wondering. Harrison Hasco Hill, Vanilla, Hip Hip 89, Jack Bagley, Jack Grogan, Jake Keith, James Masker, Jarian Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zabraski, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Stay, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Josh White, Chris from Florida, Cry or Die, Lee Plummer, Leszek Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Gova, Matthew Kai, Meatball the Cat, Michael Koenig, Mike, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Mancuzu. Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Palms for Prez, Nicholas DiNicola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel, Phoenix Ignition, Prejus Sparrow, Randy Tesser, Ryan Sieb, Ryan Watch Miracle, Swingart, The Drop BK, Tommy Seclary, Tommy Shadeshi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Torben Manhattan, the original supporter, Vinnie Bracco, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Bark, Diddy, Bark, Bark, Bark. Anyway, uh, wow, what a show, huh? Keep thinking about placebo driver. I don't want to admit it's a Gregory, so I'm going to say it here. What happens if placebo driver wins? Something we didn't discuss, and I will ask him either later this week on BSPOT or the next show. If placebo driver wins, what's the repercussions? What goes down? Uh, a lot of Ranger thoughts. Hopefully, some fun guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. We've sent some invites out. Stay tuned and uh, reach out whenever. Or Ryan, meet on Twitter. Talk to you guys soon. Love you guys. Bye.